Well, I am very, uh, very honored to be able to bring the word of God today. Um, I, I, uh, I never want to uh, miss out on the opportunity to, to give thanks for this house in terms of, of what God is doing here amongst us, the ability to be able to grow, the ability to be able to, to find your giftings, to find your talents, to find the things that God has placed within you and not just to find those things, but also to see those things flourish. There are many opportunities for us, um, whether it be, you know, um, with uh, the resource table, whether it be, you know, singing with, uh, with GSI, whether it be ushering or serving with the resource team, whatever it is, there are so many opportunities for us to be able to, to not only to find out what our giftings and our talents and our, the things that God has placed within us are, but to also to see those things flourish. And I think that's what God wants us to be able to do as well. So, um, Actually, I'm going to begin with a, a passage today out of the, the book of Philippians. So as a matter of fact, it's Philippians 3. And so you can go ahead and find that um, if you're ready. And I'll kind of begin here. This is something that, um, that God kind of laid on me. And it's interesting. I'll, I'll just kind of share this. Maybe I'll kind of let you see maybe behind the, um, behind the curtain. You know, not that I'm the Wizard of Oz or anything like that. But I'll kind of re- reveal a little bit maybe behind what, uh, what God does with me in terms of uh, sermon preparation. And so it's, it's, it's generally, unless there's a word that God has basically just kind of been, been burning within me, and hey, the next time you have an opportunity to speak, this is what I want you to deliver. Many times, it's basically whatever I've been going through, whatever is kind of present in my heart, wherever I am. And I think the thing that, that I love about that, in terms of what God does with me, is that it gives me the ability to, to, to even as I preach things, I'm working through things as well, too. So this is a word that, that I feel like I'm, I'm giving, but I don't necessarily want to say that it's, it's something where I'm, I'm, you know, something that I've gone through. I think I'm still in the midst of it as well, too. So, um, and this is one I, I, I couldn't really find a title, but as I was kind of speaking to, to God about it uh, last night, kind of praying over, some, praying over some things. I have to slow down a little bit too. That's one of the things that I do when I get excited is I talk very fast. So I'm going to slow down so that you can hear what I'm saying. Um, but as I was praying over this last night, the, the thing that kind of God kind of spoke to me was fleshly speaking versus spiritual walking. And so we'll, we'll kind of dig into this in terms of what God has to me. I want to read this passage and another one, and then we'll pray um, after that. So this is uh, Philippians chapter 3, and we're going to start out at verse 2. And uh, just to kind of give some, some background or some context to this, this is um, Paul uh, speaking to the church in Philippi. And so in this case, when he, when he talks about it specifically in verse 2, he's talking to the, there are some Jews who have converted to, 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 to Christianity, but they're trying to hold on to some of the old Judaic laws. And so they're basically saying, well, hey, you know, if you want to be, you know, accepted by God, then you have to be circumcised. And Paul's like, hold on, that's not necessarily righteous. That's not necessarily what, what God is 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 wanting us to 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 know and particularly for the for the new converts people who were um maybe some of the gentiles and they didn't necessarily grow up in a jewish tradition he's basically trying to say look you can't throw things on them that christ isn't putting on them god has given us the freedom and the liberty through christ to live our lives in a way that's in this case is going to look a little bit differently than what it may have done for, for for someone who grew up in a jewish tradition but that freedom is still there because of what christ has done so Uh, Verse 2, I'm going to read verses 2 here. Here we go. We're going to start with verses 2 through 6. 
So it says, and when he's saying this, this is who he's speaking to. He says, watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, Hebrew I'm sorry, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. So here what Paul is doing is kind of laying out his case for a look. If, if I wanted to kind of say that um, following these laws or doing these particular things, you know, is, is a kind of pedigree or something that I can kind of, you know, place my faith in, if you will, or kind of, you know, if you will, lay a foundation for. He's like, I've got it. I've got it in spades. And so he's going to break this down a little bit later. But let's flip over. Uh, hold your finger there. We'll flip over really quick to Romans chapter 12, and then we'll pray. <coughs> That mark these. It's taking me a little long. I want to find it. Okay, there we go. So Romans 12, we're going to read verses 1 and 2 here. There we go. All right. And I'm reading from the, uh, from the New Living Translation here. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for, for this opportunity, Lord God, to bring forth your word. I pray to Father, Lord God, that, that your Holy Spirit will be amongst us, Lord God, giving us insight, Lord God, even personal insight, Lord God, into where you would have us to, 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 to go forward with it, Lord God. Thank you to Father, Lord God, for everything that is breathed by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord God, within our lives, Lord God. And I thank you to Father for the transformative change that is ours, Lord God, when we walk in Christ Jesus and everything that he has given us. Thank you, Father, for the great gifts you have placed placed within us, and I pray to Father that these gifts will continue to bear fruit for the glory of your name, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, All right. got a dry mouth this morning, so I'm going to take a sip, sorry. <laughs> so, this was, um, I was thinking about this week, um, this was the, there was the Hall of Fame inductions, which happened, um, I think it was maybe Wednesday of this week, I don't remember which day, specifically. And so I was thinking about Ken Griffey Jr. And, um, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. was, when I grew up uh, kind of following baseball, although I wasn't really a, a huge fa fan of any team other than the Braves. So being from Atlanta, it was basically all about the Braves. And, and in, um, I think it was 1991, they had came from worst to first. So they were basically like the last team in the division. And they came up and, and ended up going to the World Series, which they lost several times over the next few years. And we'll talk about that later. But 
they ended up making it to the World Series, and it was a great time to be a, a fan of baseball. And I remember, you know, thinking about how awesome this was, but I also remember because I had a, a cousin who actually um, knew of Ken Griffey Jr. I think he'd actually um, played with him in, in a somebody's farm system at that point in time. So Griffey was kind of coming up uh, through the farm system. And so my cousin, who was a really good baseball player as well, um, had some interactions with him. And then one of the things that, that people talk about and they think about with Griffey is his swing. I mean, it's just this, this real fluid motion. And I can, I can try and imitate it, but it's really, I'm, I'll never be able to get it. But I mean, it's just, it's, it's one of those things that you look at and it's, there are certain things that you see and it's kind of a thing of beauty. I mean, Griffey's swing is just like effortless, it's fluid. It's just like, there's no low loss of motion anywhere. And so I thought about that in terms of, in terms of, you know, who he is. You know, he's basically the son of a major league baseball player. His uh, father, uh, Ken Griffey Sr., played with the, the Reds back in the, in the 70s, part of the Big Red Machine, who won some World Series. And so he's got this gifting. Now, if Ken Griffey wanted to kind of look at everything that he's done, and I'm sure that he's, uh, you know, basically spent time in the minor leagues. He spent time, I'm sure, playing baseball since he was very young. So there's a lot of effort that kind of goes into that. And he can kind of look at that and say, hey, you know, when I was five years old, you know, knocking balls off of a tee, and then I played in, you know, Little League Baseball, and all the way through, think about all the time that he put in. Think about all the effort that he put into being a great baseball player. Think about all the, you know, the, the time spent at the batting cages, hours upon hours, the time catching fly balls, doing everything that it kind of means to be a baseball player. And he could look at that and say, man, that's a, that's, that's a great thing that I've done. And so he kind of take this, this, this you know, self-made, if you will, approach to it and say, look at what I've done based upon how my career has kind of played out. And there's a temptation, I think, within all of us to a certain degree, maybe not so much in the church, because I think we understand grace and we understand, you know, the giftings that have been placed within us a lot more. But a lot of times, you know, maybe we, 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 we kind of look at the world and maybe we don't necessarily want to imitate it, but we kind of find ourselves maybe kind of slipping over to what some of the worldly thinkings are. And so there's this, 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 you know, ethos within America. And I think it's, I mean, I can't speak of it being anywhere else. I can only speak of my experience. And so there's this, this, this uh, ethos of the self-made person, the self-made millionaire. I kind of, I built this business from nothing and look at what I've done. And so you kind of want to take what your effort and you know, hey, that's a good thing to be able to kind of put some effort to it into something that maybe was less than and kind of see it flourish. You know, basically you kind of, you, you invest in a company, um, maybe you, you, you hire the right type of people and you see the company kind of flourish, flourish and thrive, you know, um, as a result of what you've kind of placed in it. And that's a, you know, that's nothing bad within that self, in and of itself. But I think the thing that, that, um, that we kind of have to be careful of is wanting to kind of to, to say that, hey, this is, these are things that I've done, and it's kind of this I. It's me, it's I. Look at what I did. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've, I've accomplished. You know, you kind of you you stand back and you kind of look at this, this prize of all your accomplishments and look at the things that I've done. Look at what I've built, you know. And I think to do those things, apart from recognizing what God has placed within us as believers, what God has gifted us, even in terms of the families in which we were born, I mean, think it's no it's no accident that Ken Griffey, being a Hall of Famer now, being the great baseball player that he was, was the son of a major league baseball player. I mean, that's that you know those things. I mean, you can kind of try and separate and say, well, yeah, but no, 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 no. Look, he was Ken Griffey's son, you know, and you know Griffey is not a Hall of Fame player, but he played on some very great teams. He was on the 
You know, I mentioned the, um, the Big Red Machine back in the 70s as well, too. So this is one of those things where he's, he's growing up and he's seeing baseball players, you know, basically kind of like all the time throughout his youth. And also he's playing baseball as well, too. So he's got influences uh, not only of those people who his father has kind of followed, not only um, the people who he's played with, probably has some great coaches as well, too. But there are all these things. And so to kind of to make it just about your effort and to say, hey, this is something that I've built because I've done these different things is, is really a fallacy because it doesn't, it doesn't speak to what has been placed within you. And I think about, um, about uh, what we have as believers, as followers of Christ, we have to understand that, that God has kind of set us up to be and to do great things because he's placed great things within us. It's not something that we can kind of walk around and say, well, you know, I spent all this time studying in these courses, and so now I have this degree because of my efforts. Yeah, that's a part of it. Absolutely. You know, you can't take um, anything that God has given you and basically just kind of allow it to kind of sit on the sideline and maybe like, okay, well, maybe I'll, I'll possibly be thinking about going to class, you know, maybe two or three days next week or something like that. I mean, it doesn't work that way. You have to put some effort into what it's give God has given you, but the fact of the matter is that it begins with what God has given you. You don't get to any place of life, um, any place of life, and in, in I believe you should not, I should say, you should not get to any place of success in life and, and try and think that somehow these things are happening separate from what God has placed within you, separate from the gifts that God has kind of placed in your life as well, too. Um, I think of myself, and so I, I, I kind of think about this because I'm, um, I'm writing a book, basically kind of, and it's an it's a autobiographical um, book right now, so it's kind of the first part of my life. So I kind of, I've been doing a lot of thinking about how I came to be the person I am as well, so there's a lot of thought that kind of goes into it. One of the things that I realized, um, probably about, I can think about third grade, there was a teacher, her name was Ms. Long, and Ms. Long was, uh, was a teacher, and so we were, they were in the third grade, they were like, we were kind of separated into, I would almost call it like pods, so there was a group of students that were maybe um, we were probably about the, the best of the best. We were kind of the cream of the crop. And I don't know a lot about education and how they kind of separate students right now, but I know that they, 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 they separated us out. And so we were expected, or we knew, basically based upon the, you know, you kind of look around and see who's with you and kind of, okay, well, maybe we're, maybe we're a little smarter. Maybe we do a little better on tests. Maybe we have better grades in school or whatever it may be. And so I think we kind of knew this, you know, inherently. And then she kind of would speak into us as well, too. And so this happened at a time when I'm kind of dealing with, um, I've, I've had vitiligo since I was a young child. And so there was a lot of self-esteem issues. And I was really kind of like, you know, standoffish. I didn't want to necessarily be a part of the crowd. And I was kind of, you know, trying to hide back and stuff like that. And so one of the things that she did is she always spoke into to, to what she saw in terms of my, my academic and my intellectual ability. She would always tell me how smart she was. Matter of fact, this is one of those things too, and I, I remember her saying this, and I remember thinking, this maybe not maybe it's not necessarily something that you would want to say with other students around, but she she did it, and so I was, you know, kind of took it for what it was. And so she she was there were eleven us eleven of us in this particular class, and she said one day she said it. She's like, I wish I had eleven Lawrence's, and I was like, wow. I mean, it just completely blew my mind. I was like, whoa. You know, it was just, it was, it was, it was one of those things that was amazing. And so for me being someone who maybe didn't necessarily, and I think she knew this as well too, which is, you know, kind of, I can't separate this from her knowledge of who I was and, and how, was, how, how I was developing as well too, is that she knew I needed to kind of maybe a little boost to kind of, hey, you know what, feel good about this, you know. 
if nothing else in your life is kind of working, stuff like that, here's something you can kind of, you know, maybe ha- uh, hang your head on. And so she said that, and so it, it was when at that time I kind of, I think I began to realize that I had certain giftings in terms of, you know, the ability to be able to learn well, always had good grades in school. And so I never really thought about it in that context until she began to kind of, you know, isolate and identify those things. And it was like, wow. And so I began to see that. And it wasn't necessarily that, uh, you know, it was particularly a great deal of effort that kind of went into it. Yeah, I mean, I, I would come home from school and I would do my, you know, my classwork. I'd read books. I'd do all the things that were kind of, you know, that we were supposed to do, you know, as students. But it wasn't a great deal of effort that went into it. I mean, yeah, it was, there were times when I had to maybe study a little harder or do a little bit more. But there were certain things that I kind of realized that I was just good at. You know, it was like, it wasn't like, you know, I, I really even had to try. It was just, man, this is, you know, of course this is how this is. Um, it's interesting as well, too. And so I thought about this this morning. As a matter of fact, too, when I was in high school, um, there was a young lady who asked me to to kind of tutor her in one of our classes. I believe it was physics. We took physics in ninth grade as a part of a, a math and science um, academy. And so we were taking physics. And so she said, yeah, can you help me with this? And I was like, sure. And so it was and she, she started asking these questions about things that she didn't understand. And I think at that point, I began to realize that, you know, I was a little bit different, even in terms of being able to kind of realize those things in other people. And it was like, you know, you, you kind of see that, okay, well, maybe someone's telling you, okay, you're good, like Miss Long, hey, you know, you're a great student and stuff like that. And I can kind of feel good about that. But even I began to realize among my peers that, Man, they, if she didn't get that, that was like, that's just second nature to me. It's like, uh, like, what about this don't you get? And it was just like, it was very, very simple for me. You know, you would kind of, you know, the teacher would explain it in class and you'd have to read through it um, maybe once more. But then those concepts would just kind of come. And I was like, wow, you know. And so, so to have someone, you know, kind of explain the fact that they didn't understand it, I was like, that's kind of odd. You know, I, I don't get that. And so even more, they began to, to help me to realize that, that I was, you know, gifted academically was there was an intellect that kind of went along with that too. Um, one of the things that I'll kind of go back a little bit back in time um, in after the yeah after the second grade was the third grade year no after the second grade year um, they would do testing and so we had a, um, a talented and gifted is what they called it um, program for certain students in, in in my school and they called it challenge and so one of the things that they would do is they would give you like an IQ test. So I remember having to take this IQ test. My mom kind of shared with me the results of it. And so I was like, yeah, you know, you got a, a 132 or something. Other. And I was like, okay, well that's, that's nice. I had no you know, concept of what that meant. But, you know, she, she shared with me that, you know, some of the instructors who kind of wanted me to be a part of this program, you know, said that this was very good. And it was kind of like an excellent thing. But there were other things that they weren't necessarily so sure about me being in it. And I wasn't in that year, but the following year. I was in it and basically throughout um, the rest of my career and um, in school. And so it's one of those things as well, too. That was another part of be kind of being set apart. And it's like, wow, that's, that's really cool. And so all of these things, all of these things, I could kind of take them and be like, if I was, you know, maybe kind of thinking about it and, it, you know, no, I couldn't. I couldn't do it because I realized even at that point as well, too. And part of this, I think, is kind of how God makes you. God, God sees things and that maybe other people don't see. And God will kind of place things along your path that just that little oomph that you kind of need to, to, to direct your path in a certain way. And maybe, you know, you don't even see it at the time, but then you have an opportunity in hindsight, maybe even in retrospect, to kind of look back and see that, man, that was God just kind of setting me up on this path to, to kind of see that I did have some value. You know, I was, 
I was kind of looking at the only thing that I saw, which is kind of my face, which I thought was I'm so much different than everybody else and I don't have value. And God was like, yeah, you do. You know what I'm saying? Here's what, what's, what's good in you. Here's part of what's good in you. And so he started to, to help me to see and to kind of develop those things. Even if I think about um, my family as well, too, we were all musically inclined. My, um, my mother and my, um, my, her twin sister, my aunt, you know, played piano when they were younger. And so we were all, we all went to the same church until I think we were like, an, I was in about fifth grade. And so we all sang in the choir. Um, I think at some point in school, most of us were, were playing instruments. You know, those who weren't playing instruments were singing in the chorus. And so we recognized that there were all these, you know, talents, and if you will, and these giftings that were kind of being developed in us. And so you can kind of see these things in families as well, too. Like I talked about with, with Griffey, you know, he's, He's a major league baseball player. You know, he's a Hall of Fame major league baseball player. And it's not by accident. It's not that he just kind of stumbled into it. Even if you think about the fact that maybe let's say he wanted to, um, he was a young, you know, kid playing T-ball or something. Else. He's like, you know what, at one point, some point in my life, I'm going to be a major league baseball player. And he put effort into it. His effort with um, the giftings that were given to him basically means that he's probably going to soar to a level of, of excellence, maybe even greater than someone else. And it's because of the, the giftings that have been placed within him, the, 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 the talent that, that, that has within him. And so it's not an accident that he's the son of a major league baseball player. So we can kind of look at the things that God has kind of placed in our lives. We can kind of look at what God is doing in terms of our, maybe even in terms of our natural family Sometimes even in terms of uh, the, the people who speak into our lives, like I talk about Ms. Long and teachers and people who would kind of speak things into us as well, too. Maybe even necessarily as well, our parents. I mean, um, it's one of those things that, you know, my, uh, I had an aunt. <laughs> I have an aunt, I should say. And so every time I would see her, she would always tell me how handsome I was. And it was one of those things that, you know, you kind of hear something over and over and over again enough. And you, get to, you start to believe it. You know, because I was, like I said, I was looking at myself and not seeing anything, you know, that I thought was physically attractive. I was kind of like, you know, kind of shying away. But she always told me how handsome I was. And it was like one of those things I mean to make me smile. And so it's, it's, it's when, you, when you have um, children, I think it's important for parents as well to recognize this too, that, that you, you speak to those things which are in them, speak to the good things that are in them. You know, if there's something that's maybe lacking, you know, you can kind of speak that to kind of say, hey, you know what? Don't don't believe that. You know, I, I recall um, several times kind of coming home from school, being upset by what somebody said or something that somebody did or something. Other. My mom was always like, you know, OK, well, they, they say that and that's their opinion. But, you know, hey, you are my son and I love you. And so you have value even in that. You know, you are much better than what they said. And what they said doesn't really have anything to do with who you are. That's just their opinion. You know, don't don't allow that to kind of to, to 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 infiltrate you know, who you are as well, too. And so with me, it took a little while to kind of get there. It was, it was a lot of people doing a lot of encouraging and a lot of speaking into me before I kind of came to realize it as well, too. But then at, at some point, it kind of clicked. You know, you kind of have those moments where it's like, you know, like I talked about the time in ninth grade when I was uh, tutoring this young lady, and it just it kind of came together. It was like, yeah, there's, there's something. You know, what they've been talking about, that's real. And for, for academics, it wasn't necessarily something that I didn't know. I think that was one of those things that, for me, kind of came intuitively, and I just kind of I, I figured it out pretty quickly. But for other things, hey, you know, you are handsome. And I was like, okay. And so even for, for me, 
Uh, one of the things that, um, that that's interesting as well, too, is that, um, uh, so I have a cousin who, another cousin, sorry, my whole family, I'm just kind of bringing it out there. So I have another cousin who's always talking about the fact that how much I look like my father. And my father, you know, a very handsome man, tall, you know, is one of the things that my, my mother, that attracted my mother to him. But anyway, so, um, you know, and she's always talking about how much I look like my father. And so it's one of those things where for a lot of my youth, because I was living behind this, 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 um, uh, under this facade of the fact that I was ugly and that I wasn't attractive and that I was, you know, I was so different and the way I looked was just so bad and stuff like that. And so that was one of those things where I didn't, it didn't kind of come right away. But th through a lot of encouragement and through a lot of, you know, kind of speaking into my life and kind of pouring into me, I began to be able to see it. And so now it's like, you know, it's interesting. We were in, um, me and my father went to, it was the, it was the 10th anniversary of the Million Man March. And I want to say this was, I really don't even remember the year, but it's been a while. And we were walking uh, through the, the, you know, the National Monuments and stuff like that. And so we were up by the Washington Monument and we were walking by and two people were kind of looking at us. And it's like, you know, we're kind of looking, they're looking. It's like, oh my gosh, you look so much alike. You know, it's like, and it's so, it, that happens over and over and over again. And so even in terms of myself, you know, recognizing that I am, you know, my father's son, you know, very handsome man and stuff like that too as well just to kind of be able to kind of accept those things as well, too, and accept the giftings that have been, been given to me just by being, you know, born, if you will, and not that that was an accident. You know, certain, uh, there, um, even in terms of my parents coming together, you know, not to say that necessarily God, uh, God allowed it, and so God is going to take whatever happens in your life, and he's going to get, pull some glory out of it. Even if you think it, you look at it and think, well, my birth was, was, was a, very tragic situation. Maybe even you know I was um, born of a of a of a, uh, a father or maybe even a mother who gave me up for adoption and stuff like that. And that can kind of definitely play into to your sense of self and your sense of worth. You know you kind of have to realize that look you know I'm here and I'm here for a purpose and I'm here for a purpose that God has given to me and I'm going to accomplish that no matter how I may have felt about myself. And the more that I become to know who God is and who Christ has given what God has get placed within me through Christ, I know how much value and how much worth I have. And so we can kind of come out of those situations, which I believe is what God desires us to do. Desires, I'm sorry, us to do. But I think we don't want to do it with an attitude or with a, with a, with a, uh, uh, a speaking of saying that, hey, you know what? I got here because of these things that I've done. I got here because I, I, I you know, I play great basketball or whatever. I got here because, you know, it was all these people and stuff like that. You know, even in terms of to what the decisions I made, you know. Hey, I, I saw this point and I said, you know, hey, th this company that they have, they're doing some things that maybe I could do a little differently. And when I do them differently, then I'm going to take all the credit for all the stuff that I've given. Not recognizing the fact that you've got employees and, and, and people who are kind of pouring. you got customers who come to, to, to patronize your business, whatever it may be. All of those things play into to to success. And so to try and take it and to separate it from what God has done and what God has placed within you and what God has given you, I think it's just you kind of have to, to, to step down from that a little bit too. So uh, let's go back to uh, Rome, sorry, Philippians 3. And I want to kind of bring this through. I think I might want to read this from the New King James. Yeah, so we'll go back to, to second, sorry, Philippians 3, and we're going to, uh, we'll pick up from verse 7. 
And so even in terms of thinking about the things that we have and thinking about what we've created and maybe what, what um, God has placed within us and, uh, you know, doing those things, I think, apart from recognizing the giftings that we have, even in terms of the fact that, you know, we've got, you know, familial things in terms of what God has placed within us, within our family, the things that parents have spoken over us, the things that teachers may have said about us, the things that maybe even um, neighbors have said, hey, you know, and en encourage us and teachers and everyone else who's a part of our lives, coaches, who, matter, who no matter who it was, there are things that have been placed within us. And so they're placed there to give God glory. So uh, Paul here talking about, and he, he basically kind of laid out in the first, uh, you know, six verses, his kind of pedigree. He's like, look, if anyone wants to brag about stuff in terms of obeying the law, in terms of the fact that, that you know, hey, they kept the law, I could do that, and I could do it in spades. So he kind of laid out his case there, and let's see what he talks about in verse 7. So in verse 7 he says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless, worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counted it all as garbage. Now, it's like, it wasn't like he said, well, okay, it's kind of good and stuff like that, but no, he said it's garbage, it's filth, it's refuse. It's like stuff you can just, all this stuff that I was kind of placing my faith in, and hey, you know, I, I followed the law, I kind of, I was, you know, the chief of the Pharisees, I was persecuting Christians and stuff like that, everything that Jewish people were supposed to do. He's like, all that stuff that if, if you wanted to kind of, to, 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 to build a foundation upon or kind of even, you know, kind of build it up as a prize and say, look, this is my prize. He's like, we'll just kind of like, you know, you, you kind of have your children who kind of build, uh, um, uh, you know, maybe statues or even uh, buildings and stuff like that, little blocks. So it's basically like, you know, he's coming as a, as a child to him and basically kind of knocking over his, his raw blocks. He's like, look, it's nothing. It has no value. He's like, it's all garbage. And so he says, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. He's like, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying law. Rather, I became righteous through faith in Christ. He's like, look, in all the ways that I could have kept the law, which I did, and all the ways that I could have you know, done everything that, that, that everyone who was practicing in the law said I should do, I did those things. He's like, but it doesn't matter. All of this stuff is, is tossed to the side because my righteousness comes through faith in Christ Jesus. And that's the thing that, that I think we have to recognize as well, too, even in terms of maybe our, our desire to kind of boast upon the things that we've done or, or boast upon you know, our achievements in life and everything that we've given. You know, hey, it's like, look, this didn't come by accident. It didn't come by accident that you were born to, to these two parents and that you went to this school and that these people came a part of your life and were impacting your life in these ways. That's not an accident. That's not happenstance. And more than that, even if you wanted to kind of to, to say, hey, I did this because I went there or whatever it is and kind of place it upon yourself. It's just like it's, it's, it's not really anything. There's no value to that. There's no value to 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 heaping praise upon yourself and saying, I did it. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. There is no value to that at all. We have to kind of recognize the fact that that everything that we have, everything that we can have that we can call good comes to us because of who Christ is. Uh, let's flip over to James real quick, and we'll come back to the rest to this passage here. Uh, James chapter one, as a matter of fact. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. So even as we talked about in 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 uh, 
Paul spoke about as well in, in, in Romans about, you know, not following the patterns of the world and being transformed that you may prove what is the good and perfect and acceptable word of God. I think James has a word for us here as well, too. So James chapter one, and um, we're going to start at verse 16. So he says, so don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God, our father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. So there's no, there's no, you know, um, iniquity within him. He's basically like kind of pure, you know what I'm saying? So his light basically shines forth is what he's saying. And he said he chose, in verse 18, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. So God chose us and said, look, look at my children. Look at what they do. Look at my children who have been saved by my son, my firstborn son. And look at what they do. Look at, look at them in their position. See how they're different from everyone else. See how they're not heaping praise upon themselves, but, but sharing their, their, the, the, the Adelaide, or accolades, I should say, with everyone else. Look at what they do. So God's holding us up as, as a prize. He's like, we are his prized possession. Prized possession. That is a wonderful thing. So we go back to Philippians 3 and pick up here. Uh, halfway through verse 9, it says, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, it says, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I became righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ, he says, and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. So our righteousness is not through, through, through the things that we do. And so often in times, and I think we have to kind of, this is one of those things that maybe it's, maybe for some people it's kind of a, a one-time thing and you kind of look, uh, this isn't, I'm not doing this because of, of, of all, the, all the me. I'm doing this because of all the he, all the he that is within me. And so for a lot of us, I think maybe it's just kind of a, 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 a time-to-time thing where we kind of have to say, step back and say, look, what am I trying to, am I trying to, to, to say that I've done this by myself? Am I trying to say that I've done this because I'm so smart, <laughs> which is a gift? Am I trying to say that I've done this because I've, I have the, 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 the ability to, to maybe even go further at doing this task than someone else, which in itself is a gift? All of these things that we've been given to be able to do the excellent things that God has given us to do are gifts that are given by him. We can't take any of this stuff and be like, okay, well, you know, I did that. There was some God stuff in there, but then I did all this stuff. No, 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 no. It's not how it works. God has given us the ability to do all the things that we're excelling in so that when we're all done and finished, he can hold us up as prized possessions. And it won't be, hey, look at me. It'll be look at Jesus. Look at what Jesus is able to do in anyone. And so that's the thing that's, that's I think is important to recognize as well, too, is that maybe if you look around and you're, you're comparing yourself to someone else and say, man, they're, they're great at this or they, they do so well in this other endeavor. Man, if I, I wish I could be like them in that. I think it's good to kind of to desire for greatness. But I think we have to recognize what God has placed within us. Don't discount the gifts that have been placed within you. And so, so many times I think it's, it's interesting. This is one of those things that you kind of see in, in, in families as well, too. And, you know, I've got um, two younger brothers as well, too. And so there are things that one would excel at. And we kind of be, man, this, you're really good at that. You, this video game, you, you're knocking out the box. Whereas the other one, I can, like, cream you in and stuff like that. And so, you know, you kind of look at others around you. And you kind of see the things that they do and want to do those things as well. I think that's good to desire great things, but don't do it to the degree that you discount 
what's been placed within you in terms of your own giftings as well, too. So, um, so back to uh, uh, ver uh, verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. That's the great thing about what Christ has done. He's already done. He's coming. He's, he's, he's walked it out. And he walked it out not from afar. He didn't walk it out from heaven and saying, okay, well, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of, you know, shoot down some lightning bolts and y'all follow that lightning bolt and he would do it like this. He came and embodied the very flesh that we live in as well, too, to show us the way. And so he is the firstborn among many. And he has given us the ability to be able to walk those things. We can do what we can do. We can do all the things that we can do because of what he's done. And even as he said, we'll do even more than what he's done because he's already shown us the way and provided us the way yes, through his death, burial, and his resurrection. Uh, verse 12, he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. He says, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ first possessed me. I think if we look at our lives, look at the things that God has given us, maybe even the things that we do well, our giftings, our talents, all of those things, we don't want to do those things just to, to a, a, a mediocre degree. Okay, well, I'll just kind of, you know, uh, I think about um, sometimes people in, in jobs that maybe aren't necessarily very satisfying or fulfilling for them. They're like, they're just, it's just punching this clock. Uh, 8 a.m. in, 5 p.m. out. You know, 8 a.m. in, 5 p.m. out. And you go through this routine of just doing it because it's just, it's okay, well, look, I show here here Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, and they pay me this amount, and I can pay my mortgage, and I can take care of the car, give some for the kids, and all these kind of things that you look at as well, too. And it becomes, a, you just kind of get into this rut of doing this thing. I think what God desires us to do in all of the things that we do is to do them with excellence. You know, he said he's, he's holding us up as his prized possessions. Prized possessions don't just kind of punch a clock and just kind of be there, you know, for, for however many hours a day and stuff like that. Prized possessions are actually impacting the world around them, wherever you are. Yes, you know, you kind of think about, you know, whatever, whatever your job is. I mean, right now, I'm working at a convenience store and some overnights as well, too. And you could kind of look at that from the outside and say, well, that's kind of a job. And I, even at the time that I took this job as well, too, I was like, man, I really don't want to do this. I really don't want to do this job. But I had a position where I needed to have a job, and this was the one that was offered. And I was like, I'll take it. And so, you know, kind of going on, I'm like, as I got hired for this job, I'll be, I'll be completely, you know, transparent before you. As soon as I got hired there, I was like, okay, what's the next job? What's the job that, you know, when I've been here three or four months and someone, I can kind of put this on my resume and say someone else will hire me. I wasn't even thinking about being there. And, and over the, the, the time that I've been there, God has kind of, he's transformed even my thinking about that job. Hey, you know what? That thing that you used to do and you kind of come in, you kind of have to do it, maybe you want to do that a little better, you know? And so even in, in terms of our work and stuff, I got recognized that, that all work is unto the Lord. So when I had that transformative, uh, you know, that God transformed my mind in that way, I began to do my work a little different. And it became recognized. What do you know? You know, it, was, it wasn't anything that it, that it was, uh, you know, it was a kind of a, an instant thing as well, too. I just, you know, God kind of pulled my heart about it. You know, maybe you should do this a little bit differently, you know. And I'm not getting paid a lot more than I was at one point in time. But I, I, I now take pride in the work that I'm able to do. And it's not because I wanted to do the work. Because I told you I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be there at all. But God has transformed my heart in such a way that now I view this 
not just as kind of punching the clock, you know, okay, you know, get in here at 11, leave at 7 or whatever, but it's just like there's work that you can do. And even in terms of the customers that I interact with, God has given me the ability to be able to impact people's lives, to kind of speak some life into them as well. And it's just, it's, it's transformed the way I think about it. And God wants to do that for all of you, no matter where you are. And you may think, man, okay, this is just for a time, and I'm going to be here for a little while, and then I'm going to get on to the next thing. Because I think all of us are kind of, you know, to a certain degree, maybe are kind of waiting for that next thing. You know, what, what is next, the next step? You know, this is, okay, this is whatever. It's okay right now, but I really kind of want to get on to that thing. And I think we have to kind of be, be mindful of not wanting to kind of rush and to kind of get into the next thing so much that we miss what God is desiring to do in you right now. So he says um, in verse uh, 12 that I, but I press on to possess the perfection which Christ first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. No turning back. I'm not thinking about what yesterday was. I'm not thinking about the things that I achieved when I was at that position or whatever. I'm not thinking about how I stacked up this, you know, this great, you know, prize of, of what I had done and stuff like that. No, I'm pressing on to what Christ has. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. There are things that we are going to have to do in this life that, that um, you know, people will, you could, someone could say, I'm not going to necessarily go there, but someone could say, man, this is just a, a kind of thing, something that's going to pass away. You know, this is, is not going to be an eternal thing. And that's true. But I think what God wants to do is have our hearts in the midst of those things, no matter what they are. Even if this is something that, you know, when, when, all, when eternity has come and, and, and we're, you know, praising God forever, that those things will be long forgotten. But by the same token, God wants to see what your heart is like in the midst of those situations. When it seems like drudgery, when it seems like, man, I just uh, punching the clock, you know, whatever it may be in your life, what is your attitude about that? And I think God, that's what God wants to do is to kind of transform our heart, particularly in the midst of such situations in which we don't necessarily like. I mean, it's real easy when all is good and well and the things are going high. You know, you're high on the horse and it's like, you know, you're the, the, the top salesperson or whatever or you're driving a nice car and stuff like that to kind of be like, yeah, it's, it's all good now. But when, when, the, when you're not in that situation, when you're kind of looking forward, you know, looking ahead, looking to see, you know, what else you can do, that's where you'll find out that God is really transforming and changing the person that you are from the inside out. Just like we talked about in Romans 12, if we have... If we're thinking the way that God desires for us to think and we're worshiping him in spirit and truth, we're going to see that that we're not going to have the patterns and the thoughts of the ways of the world. But we're going to think like Jesus would think. We have the mind of Christ. So uh, it says, I press on to receive, which is uh, the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Let us all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. And if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. So it's not like, okay, well, you know, you get to a certain point and it's like, okay, I crossed that off the list and now I can go back to, to doing. No, 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 no. Keep forward. Keep on moving in what God has given you. Hey, if you, if you find out that God has transformed your heart in a certain way and brought you out of something, he's delivered you from something that, that, that just maybe even plagued your life, a bad habit, no matter what it was, 
Don't go back to that. Don't go back to the to the to the chains. He's giving you liberty in Christ Jesus to be free from those things. So we have the ability to continue to move on to what God is bringing us into in the next level. And I think as we as we think about our lives and think about the things that we've achieved and what God has given us to do, recognize the fact that we cannot separate those things from Christ. We can't separate what God has given us to, to do from what he's placed within us. And more than that, in everything that we do, we should do it as an endeavor under Christ and to getting to know him more better, to, to, to having, having our face look more like Christ, being transformed, as the pastor says in the, in the mirror, into the image and the likeness of Christ so that we will prove, even as the word says, what is the good and the perfect and acceptable word of God. Is that good? Amen. Amen. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then um, we'll, we'll continue with service. I'm just going to close out here. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord God, as we begin this year for everything that you have placed within us, Lord God. I thank you, Father, for the, for the plans, the Father, that you've placed within our hearts, Lord God. Whatever it is, Lord God, whether it be uh, purchasing a home, Lord God, whether it be finishing college, Lord God, whether it be beginning and starting a family, Lord God, getting married, Lord God, a new relationship, Lord God, whatever it is that you place within us, Lord God, as desires, Lord God, I thank you, dear Father, that those things are being fulfilled and will be fulfilled if we, if we have our hearts, God, transformed by who Christ is. Thank you, dear Father Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for everything that you have done for us. Thank you for the giftings that we have because we are now the sons and daughters of the Most High God. Thank you that we can call ourselves the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of what you've done. Lord, we thank you, dear Father, even this year, Lord God, as we speak forth into the year to come, Lord God, for healing, Lord God. We thank you, dear Father, for, thank you, Jesus, for everything that you endured upon the cross to give us access to that healing. Thank you for everything that we have because you endured it. You said, not my will, but thy will be done. And so we are ever so grateful for all that you have done. And because of that, Lord God, we lift up praise to your name. And it's in Jesus' name.